the Lord. That's a blessing. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Revelation. And this is not my message, but uh, obviously my wife is in practicing uh, that song. And But I'll just, in my Bible reading, I've been reading in Revelation. But I want you to look, if you would, at Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 1. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 1. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 1, it says, And I saw in the right hand of him that was sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I, behold, I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Verse number nine. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every tribe, every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And God's the one and he made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We got a good God. And he's the one that's worthy. Man, that, that, uh, woo, that's, not the, that's, not the, uh, that, that's a good Bible study, but that's, woo, that's just, uh, what, a great, what a great song, what a great truth. And uh, so, anyways, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even have an outline. I'm just kidding. I do have an outline for tonight, but, uh, but I also want to uh, mind the Spirit. And, uh, man, God is just so incredibly, incredibly good to us. If you would, uh, take your Bibles and turn with me. We're going to open up to the book of John. We're going to look at John chapter 21. John chapter 21. John chapter 21, and we're going to look at, uh, so I'm just going to give you uh, just the, uh, the story here, a little bit of background of the story. If you look at John chapter 21 and verse number, uh, verse number 1. It says, after these things, Jesus, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we go also with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. 
Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, so who is that disciple? That is John, John the Beloved. Uh, so that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon, P Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and uh, did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to the land, they saw a little fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three. And for all, uh, for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Now I remember uh, just a few days ago, Peter had denied Christ. Anybody remember how many times he denied him? Yeah, three times. So here we find Jesus asking him, he asked him, he said, uh, lovest thou me? So I found the first time there in, in uh, verse number 15, verse number 16. He saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. There was a job that Jesus had given Peter. And his job was no longer fishing. Now, fishing was a good, that was a, uh, a good way to make a living in this day. But when Jesus called Peter, he called him from the fishing business, from fishing for fish and to be and to go and fish for men. And so there was a transition, and so Peter had reverted back, and Peter said, I go a fishing, and all the other disciples, these disciples listed here, they said, well, we, we're going with you. And uh, Jesus reminded him, that's not what I called you to do, and I called you to be a fisher of men. Verse number 18, verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and, wouldest, and walkest whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had thus spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that uh, betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, John, is who he's referring to, Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And uh, in the title of, uh, of the message this evening, What is that to thee? Follow thou me. What is that to thee? 
follow thou me. And let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much, Lord, for loving us. And God, thank you for letting us be gathered in your house. Lord, we've had so much good, uh, so much blessing so far. Lord, we can just go home and, uh, and say we've had a good evening. But Lord, I pray that you would. Uh, God, just fill me with thy spirit and thy power. And I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to communicate and convey just a simple message. Lord, not a deep uh, uh, theological study, but just some simple truths, Lord, that can help us, Lord, in a very practical way in our lives. And I pray that you'd help us. And Lord, I pray that you'd anoint me with thy spirit. And Lord, that you would meet with us and that you would be glorified. You would be lifted up. Lord, you are the lamb that is worthy. And you are our savior and you're our God. And we are thy people. And Lord, thank you for uh, the truth from your word. Please help us, Lord, take it and uh, receive it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is that to thee? Follow thou me. So uh, Peter... He was concerned in verse number uh, in verse uh, in verse number twenty. It says, uh, uh, "Excuse me, verse number twenty-one." Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, "Lord, and what shall this man do?" Peter was concerned about John. Well, what's what's John going to do? What's uh, uh, you know what uh, what what uh, what John had or what uh, what God's plan for John was? Jesus said, "You don't need to worry about John." You need to follow me. How many, uh, how many of you ever asked, uh, uh, or you're a parent or you're a child, and you've ever asked, uh, you've either heard your kid ask this question or you've asked this question. Uh, uh, and so, but what about, uh, well, uh, what about so-and-so? And uh, so maybe you get in trouble at school. Well, well so-and-so, and you've heard this, this response or you said this yourself. I don't care what so-and-so did. I care about what you did. And I don't care about what so-and-so, and that's what Jesus is saying. Now, obviously, Jesus cared about John, John the Beloved, but he's telling Peter here, he said, he said I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned about what John, I'm not talking to John, I'm talking to you. And uh, the illustration where uh, God, I guess, gave me the seed thought for this message, I remember it vividly because it was a time of fasting, and I was, uh, I was divvying out pepperoni and cheese. And uh, so I had two plates, and uh, so I, was, I had uh, two plates on the counter, and I was counting out the pepperonis, and, uh, and I had a cheese stick, you know, for each of the kids. So I had one plate for Chloe and one plate for Cole, and so it was pepperoni, and I wanted that pepperoni so bad. It was a day I wasn't eating, and, uh, and so and I was counting out the pepperoni, the cheese sticks, and then some crackers and so forth, divvying them out. And so I take it over the table, I walk it over there, and I give Cole his plate, and I give Chloe her plate, and I hear the question, how many pepperonis did he get? Mm. And uh, I'm like, okay, I am, uh, so do you think, you know, I, okay, I am very capable of counting <laughs> pepperonis, and I am not going to jip you, I'm not going to jip you of, of these, uh, you know, of your pepperoni. I'm not going to shortchange you. But how many times, and that's a funny illustration, and Chloe, I'll take you to get ice cream afterwards and for using you as a public, a public spectacle. But how many times do we do that to God? Well, what about so-and-so? Well, what about, how come I got to do, well, what about, what about them? God said, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking to you. And I'm not worried about them. I'm, I'm worried about you. Uh, uh, we went, we were out, uh, we were out visiting yeah, a few weeks ago as well. And, uh, and so we were driving and I was, and, and Chloe was my soul winning partner that day. And, uh, and so we were going a back road. And, uh, and so she, uh, she, so now double ice cream. And uh, so now she says, she said, dad, she said, do you even know where we're going? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but how many times do we ask that same question to our heavenly father? Like God doesn't know what he's doing. 
Uh, I preached a message recently, and it was, but, or taught a lesson, uh, but it was about the shepherd. But you know Jesus, he's called the good shepherd in John. He's called the great shepherd in another, uh, in another book of the Gospels. And then he's also called the chief shepherd. And you know that the shepherd, he sees, he's got, a, he's got uh, an aerial view. He sees everything. And you know that the shepherd, he's able to provide for me a whole lot better than I'm able to provide for myself. He's able to protect me a whole lot better than I'm able to protect myself. He's able to give me clear direction and give me a purpose so much better than I could give on my own. And, uh, and so, but how many times we foolishly ask, God, do you even know where you're going? How many pepperonis did he get? And, uh, and so I was on that day, that particular day, I was going a back road because I was going to go down the roller coaster road, you know, where the road drops and, you know, you go down. And uh, so the bus, uh, so sometimes the bus will go down that road. And I knew exactly. Now, sometimes, sometimes our earthly fathers do not always know where they're going, but our heavenly father does. Amen. And, uh, and so, but God always knows the best route. He always knows what's going to be the most enjoyable. Jesus said this. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And you know, when we follow the shepherd, when we follow the Lord, the Bible says no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You're never going to miss out on anything good. You're never going to miss out on anything fun or enjoyable. The Bible says that God hath given us all things richly to enjoy. And Peter says, what about John? What about John? How many times we do the same thing? What about my, my brother? He got more than I. And, uh, and, we, and we, get our, we get our focus off of the Lord. And, uh, and so, but God was saying this to Peter by the fire. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. It's, uh, this is a, not a deep message at all, but, uh, but here, are the, here are the points right here. I'll give you all three of them right on the outset. Be careful about comparison. Beware of covetousness. And be, be busy following Jesus. Be careful about comparison. Beware of covetousness. And be busy following Jesus. And, uh, and so I want to, I'd like to share just a few truths that we can glean from Jesus' response to Peter. Number one, be careful about comparison. Quit worrying about what John is doing. And you do what I told you to do, is what Jesus said. And uh, how many times we tell her, quit worrying about what she's doing. You go clean your room like I told you. And so, but, uh, but abilities and accomplishments. What about John? I remember when I was in the, I was in the seventh grade and we had, uh, as you can tell, we had weight training class. And, uh, and so, but I remember being in there and in seventh grade, obviously I was, you know, probably 90 pounds of solid muscle. And uh, so I remember laying on the bench and I uh, had the bar there and, uh, and it was, just the bar, and I was like, and I got the thing off the, you know, off the rack, and I was like, Aah! and uh, and so I'm like, you know, shaking uh, profusely, and I'm looking over, and the guy next to me, I still remember because his name was Quante, and uh, he had uh, slightly more melanin in his, in his skin than I did, and uh, so, but I looked over him, and he's got, he's got, you know, the 45s on the, on, I had just the bar, and he had the 45s on the bar, and he's like, one, two, and I'm like, and and, uh, but I remember thinking, man, if this is, this is my first day of weight training next to Quante, I was like, man, if this is what weight training is about, 
I have, um, this is not, this is not faring well for me. And, uh, and so, but you know, sometimes we can get, we can, we can compare ourselves with somebody else. I remember in college, kind of the, I was, I was pretty much the same size when I went to college and I was in seventh, that's good. And I grew a little bit. And if I remember being in the weight room and uh, working out next to brother Josiah there, he's over there, he's got his, you know, 300 pounds, one, two, three, and he's like repping three, I'm like, I'm trying to get 200 off the, I'm not even getting it off the thing. And, uh, and so, but you know, sometimes, here's what will happen. One of two things will happen when we compare ourselves. Either, number one, we will have a major inferiority complex, which I had for years, and, uh, or number two, we will get next to somebody who's weaker than we are, and all of a sudden, man... I'm pretty, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hot stuff. And, uh, and so we either get, we'll either have this inferiority complex or we'll have such a big head we can't even fit through the door. And so we've got to be so careful about comparison. Hey, Peter, you're not John. Peter, you're supposed to be following Jesus. Well, what about John? Well, we're either going to be proud or we're going to have an inferiority, inferiority complex if we constantly compare ourselves with John. And we all have differing uh, gifts and abilities. You know, some people, you know, you just hate them. They have superhuman strength. And I'll never forget, uh, we were, we were uh, 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 it was me and Chris Cox, this is years and years ago, and we were loading up a bus tire on the back of one of the buses. And uh, so we were like, me and him both, I was like, all right, Chris, you pick that thing up. And, you know, working with teenagers is fun. And it's like, all right, one, two, three. And then so here comes Jolly Brother Spencer. Hey, what are y'all doing? And uh, so he jumps, he walks over there. And I'm not kidding, the man with one hand reaches down, picks up the tire, boop, and then I was like, good night, the incredible Hulk. And uh, so, but, uh, but some people have unbelievable strength. Some people have, uh, you know, I remember as, you know, just being a, you know, a slender, uh, not skinny, but slender uh, young person myself, always dreamed of having the physique of, you know, like Hoss Cartwright. Somebody, it's almost like, you know, like Brother Greg Barnes, you know, or somebody, somebody just a big and massive mountain of a man. And, uh, but, but, you know, that's not the way that God made me. And God, I mean, pretty close, but, uh, but, <laughs> But the point is this, God made you and God made me exactly the way he wanted us. God made John the way he wanted John. God made Peter the way he wanted Peter. God had, God had given Peter certain gifts and abilities. He'd given John certain gifts and abilities. And, uh, and in, we, we learn in scripture that Paul talks about the body. He says, he said the, the body of Christ, he said, is composed of a lot of different members. He said, you have the eyes, you have the nose, you have the ears, you have all, you know, all sorts of the limbs. And, but, but all of those, all those members are important, and every single one of them has a role, and every single one of us has a role to play when it comes to the body of Christ. And he gives he gives us if all the if all were the uh, you know were I were the eye, where is the smelling or where is the hearing? And uh, but God made us all different, gave us all different abilities and gifts, and uh, and that's what he reminds. That's what I gleaned from this this passage here. He said he said Peter, I'm not worried about I, I'm not, I don't want you worrying about John. You worry about about you. And uh, that's not to say that we shouldn't work to increase our strength or, uh, or we shouldn't work to, to be better, but just follow Christ and, uh, and be our best for him. My father-in-law uh, told me a story where uh, we were out somewhere and he said he had went to Starbucks and he said there was this guy, this just pretty big, big, big guy. And he naturally had this just, you could tell he had a naturally like deep bass, you know, booming voice. And yet he was, he was trying to take his order, but he was on purpose making, making his voice. He said it was just terrible. He's making his voice sound high-pitched. He's like, 
He's like, Lord. He's like, I don't understand. He's like, I would give anything to have a voice like, you know, as a preacher to preach the word of God with a booming voice. And I'd give anything to have that voice. This guy doesn't even want it. And, but, you know, God has given us all uh, gifts and abilities. God has given us, uh, made us exactly the way he wanted us. Young person, one of the things I look back with regret at as, even as a, you know, as a teenager and, and, and younger and so forth, but one of the things is, uh, you know, sometimes you, uh, because of comparison, you say, man, you care so much about what your peers think, and you, and you think, man, I'm so ugly or I'm so dumb, and you're comparing yourself, and that's not even a fair comparison to begin with, and, uh, and some of the very things right now that you're self-conscious about are going to be the very thing that your spouse and your kids love. And I remember as being the little pasty white kid with freckles and, uh, and always wanted to tan. You know, I was like, man, and I was like, oh, I, wish, I wish I had a tan instead of freckles. And you know what one of the things my wife loved most about me? My freckles. And, uh, and so, but the things that we're so, we have such a complex about, but that's exactly the way that God made you. That's exactly the way that God fashioned you. That's exactly the way that God created you. And, uh, and God reminds us here, hey, Peter, why don't you quit wishing you were someone else and embrace who I made you. And, uh, and sometimes we're so worried about impressing people who don't matter. And the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. But when we trust in the Lord, and that goes back, we'll talk about it just momentarily. But here's what happens. The awesome thing, when we, follow, when we follow Christ, we find security in our walk with God. We find our purpose. And that all comes from following the Lord and being close to him. And But the fear of man bringeth a snare. And you know what? We're not, the Bible talks about meekness. You know what meekness is? Looking everybody in the eye. It's not looking down on anybody with pride, and it's not looking up, you know, with inferiority. But it's looking everybody in the eye. There was, uh, uh, we weren't in trouble <laughs> at all, but, uh, but today there was an attorney. They came to the school just for something minor, he just uh, needed some paperwork and so forth. So I was, uh, so I was you know, happy getting that together. And uh, I was sitting in my office and I was like, man, I need to, I need to at least, you know, witness to him or give him a track. But you know, in my mind, you know what I wrestled with? This is a lawyer. You know, this is somebody. But you know, God wants us to witness to a lawyer just like he wants us to witness to, you know, somebody that lives in, uh, you know, on the, on the poor side of town or in a, you know, and, uh, but God wants us to witness to everybody. And so, uh, and so the fear of man bringeth the snare. And I, I, we had a dentist uh, appointment. I took, uh, uh, took one of the kids uh, to the dentist, and I was like, well, I need to witness to him. And But the Maddox had already witnessed to him and invited him to church and everything. But, you know, whether it's your dentist or whether it's a lawyer, everybody has a soul. I was telling the kids today, there's an article that I read recently. I shared it with the teachers in the teachers' meeting, and then I uh, told it today in chapel. But, uh, but, there, but the article I read said that, uh, so the pop star icon Taylor Swift has, they estimate that she has, uh, she has influence with 18% of total voters in America, which is wild. But there's somebody that's anti-pro-life, anti-traditional uh, you know, marriage, and somebody that promotes the LGBT and uh, you know, all that. And, uh, and, so, but, uh, and I was just thinking about you know, some of the stars, and she came big on the scene when I was a teenager, and really in the last five years really has exploded. But, uh, but I told him this, this is super embarrassing, but I, uh, uh, but I remember some of the, uh, some of the superstars uh, and have openly, you know, Katy Perry, she openly on a YouTube video said, I sold my soul to the devil. 
Uh, Jay-Z has done the same thing. Beyonce had a uh, music video and, and a satanic seance in there. Uh, and this is super embarrassing, and I shouldn't say this publicly, but I already said it in chapel, so I'll say it here. But I had a CD when I was, and I was already saved, and I knew better, but I had a CD, and it was an Eminem CD when I was, when I was a teenager. Brother Hamilton didn't know about it, but I had it. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but I, was, but I had it, and I was playing it. But here's what the lyric said, I, and, and I, this is when I threw the CD away, when I heard the lyric, and here's what he said. He said, in his CD, he said, I sold my soul to the devil. I'll never get it back. If I could go back, I never would have rapped. That's what he said in his CD. Do you know that one second in eternity, they will have the most unparalleled regret of any person in the, in the history of the planet? One second into eternity. And it doesn't matter how many billions of dollars you had. It doesn't matter how much, uh, how much money you had. It doesn't matter how much fame or notoriety you had. One second into eternity. And that, that reveals, okay, man, I just wasted, I just made a tragic decision. I just wasted my life. And... And God wants us, whether it, be a, uh, whether it be a lawyer, if God gives you a, a chance to witness to a superstar, everybody needs the gospel. Because one second to eternity, when somebody's in the lake of fire forever and ever, that never ends. And you think about it, you know, uh, you know in my life stage right now, you know, in, in my 30s, 30 can seem like a long time. Imagine a thousand years. That sounds like a, you know, like an extremely long time. But the end of a thousand years, that's where eternity begins. That's when time ends in Revelation. And eternity is forever and ever and ever. And every person we meet, whether it's the waiter at the restaurant we go to, whether it's our, you know, uh, an attorney or a lawyer or a dentist or a doctor or the, our neighbor or somebody just that's, uh, that's holding, up a, holding up a sign uh, outside of Walmart, every single person has a soul that will live somewhere forever and ever, for eternity. And God reminds Peter, he said, Peter, he said, I need, he said I'm telling you, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. He said, remind, he said, that you have a bigger purpose in life than, uh, than just, efficiency is good, but that's not what I called you to do, Peter. And you have a job, and the job is to get the gospel. And, but the fear of man bringeth a snare, and, but uh, happy is the man that feareth the Lord. But on the, day, uh, on the day that you and I give an account, we're not going to be measured against John. When I stand before the Lord, I'm not going to be measured against Brother Hamilton because I'm going to be measured to what God has given me and what God has entrusted me with. And you will give an account for what you did. And, uh, and so, uh, so Peter, he, uh, the Lord reminds Peter, Peter, get your eyes off John and get your eyes on me. Quit trying to play John's role, play your role and play it well. You know that a Corvette isn't designed to perform the same way, it's the same way a Ford 350 diesel is designed to perform. And, uh, and uh, on a soccer team, uh, you're in trouble when your goalie takes off on a whim to play the striker position. Why? Because everybody's got a position that they're supposed to play. And God has given us all a position or a certain role. And God wants us to do, uh, do his will. And, and here's a little, a little secret for all of us. But you know that sometimes we pray, Lord, give me wisdom about this job or give me wisdom about this decision or give me wisdom about this or that. And, and sometimes we don't know what we consider the unknown will of God. We just don't, we don't know. It's, it's, it's you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not written in black and white. Uh, in, in my Bible, it didn't say, uh, you know, uh, Sean, you're supposed to get engaged on this date and marry Ashley. And, but, but there are some things that are the unknown, you know, will of God. But you know what God does? God gives us his known will. And God sees what we do with what we know to do. And then when we faithfully do, we all know there's some basic things, you know, right this evening, you're in church. 
We all know we should be in church. And that's, you know, we all know we should read our Bible. We all know we should pray. We all know we should tell others about Christ. So here's the question for all of us. Are we doing the things we already know to do? Why would God entrust to us? Why would God reveal to us his unknown will if we're not doing his known will? And so playing our role and doing what God has, uh, has called us to do. And uh, when we do God's will, and uh, God's, God's not going to make sure that we do not miss out on opportunities bec- uh, when, we're, when we're following him. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. You and I will find favor in the sight of God and man when we decide to do what we already know is right to do. And, uh, and so what was Jesus doing? Well, Jesus was doing the works he knew pleased the Father. And, uh, and so as it pertains, to, uh, it pertains to comparison, you know, we can all get in the bad habit of, of comparing ourselves to somebody else. We can do that with location, you know, where we live. Well, I don't like, and you know, one of the best things for me uh, was when I came to a point in Bible college, now it was Northwest Indiana, and it was bitter cold, and that's where you have like the polar vortexes come through, and you get out of your car, and like instantly your f- fingers freeze, and you can't even feel them, and uh, between between the spot where I, in the wintertime, but, and Brother Rodney can, can attest to this, Brother Jordan, and, uh, but from where I parked my car to getting into the uh, uh, the entrance of, of the college there in northwest Indiana, between when I parked the car and made it to the front entrance, the snot in my nose froze. That's how cold. It was bitter cold. And for somebody with little insulation, it does not fare well. And, uh, but I remember, I remember being so homesick my entire first year of college. I was just so homesick. And somewhere through my sophomore year, I just, you know, that, that verse uh, that Paul says, in whatsoever uh, state I'm in, therewith to be content. Well, I was in Indiana, and I decided, you know what? This is where God has me. And when I planted myself, you know, everything changed. My whole attitude changed, and, my, and everything just seemed to get a little, my burden got lighter, and it got better when I decided to embrace. This is where God has me. This is where God wants me. And, you know, when we do that in life, say, you know, this is where God placed me. And this is where I'm, and when you, and when you embrace that, so whether it's the location, where we serve, where we live, uh, whether it's a job, you know, the, uh, you know we all hear, hear the adage, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Until... You get to that field, and then you realize, whoa, <laughs> this is not what I thought it was. And uh, they all, we're all, we all have things. We say, man, well, man, that's nice. Or, man, you have uh, you know, those perks and so forth. But, uh, but being, being content with what we have and not comparing ourselves. And, and sometimes we do the same thing with our stage of life. And as a young person, how many of you have, have been guilty of wishing life away? You're young, you're like, man, I can't wait till I'm turning 16, I get my license. Oh, I can't wait till I turn 18 and get out of the house. Oh, I can't wait till I turn 21, I can't wait. And, and we, can get, we can be guilty of wishing our life away. Brother Howells preaches a message entitled, uh, uh, or there's a title in his book, I don't know if it's an actual message, but, but here's the concept. Don't rush the washing machine. Don't rush the washing machine. And there are different cycles in a washing machine, and every cycle is important. And if you rush a cycle, like for instance, you rush the soap cycle, well, it's not going to fare well for your clothes. If you uh, rush the rinse cycle, and uh, I'll never forget, um, uh, you know, uh, just just uh, preaching that message, and uh, and uh, and and. And uh, somebody later on, years later, came back and said, Mr. Cook, uh, and so I just preached that, you know, in, or I taught that in Bible class or something, and one of the students said, Mr. Cook, I wish I would have listened to that one piece of advice. Don't wash, rush the washing machine. 
He said, I rushed into something. I rushed into a relationship. He said, that was really foolish. And he said that one. Uh, and so, but quit wishing our lives away. And if you're a junior higher, man, enjoy the, enjoy the life of junior high. Uh, and uh, Brother Goddard was, uh, was preaching on, uh, uh, on Sunday, and he was talking about the picture of the, uh, of the midget wrestlers, you know, in the background and so forth. So me and Bro- I had to not look at Brother Hamilton on purpose because I was going to die laughing. And, uh, but I'll never forget, this was junior high. There was an older, an upperclassman, and he was the bully, and uh, so he would beat us up, you know, the little guys. And uh, but there was uh, there was kind of the ringleader of the of the group, and he he convinced it was me and Greg Hogan, and uh, but he convinced us. So this big bully, he was uh, he fell asleep right in between where the seats end and the wall of the uh, uh, of the uh, the side of the van, and he convinced us uh, to uh, he was the mastermind. He said, uh, and he convinced us to tie him up with seatbelts. So sure enough, we did. And uh, so we tied him up with seatbelts. And uh, so he was, and he was a big guy. You know, he would easily kill us, you know, either of us, because he was a lot older and, and stronger. And, uh, but we had him tied up. And, uh, and so he wakes up, like, right as all this commotion comes on, because we're driving down the highway. Brother Hamilton is driving the van. We're headed up to youth conference. And he's driving the van. And I kid you not, and Brother Hamilton get a test. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. There is a bus, a, a travel bus of of midget wrestlers, and they come, they come by, so you can see, you know, it's like it's all plastered on the side, and you can see the guys, you know, running around the inside of the bus, and uh, so we're like, whoa, midget wrestler, and we're excited, so this, this guy who had beat us up, who was tied down, and so he's like, let me up, and so he's like, let me see the midget, and uh, so we would not, and we had to make him promise not to kill us before he unwrapped his hand, and uh, so, but anyway, so enjoy your junior high years, man, what fun memories as a junior higher, and so you're just dumb, you know, you let somebody talk you into doing something, and, and it can almost cost you your life, but about high school, same thing, and enjoying, but I remember high school, and uh, I remember my senior year of high school, brother Steve Cox was my principal, and he, I remember him saying this, he said, he said, you make this the best year of your life, he said, you be involved in everything, he said, he said, take advantage of the influence you have as an upperclassman. He said, be involved. He said, enjoy the basketball trips. Be at school every day. And I remember taking him up on that. And you know what? That was, up to that point, that was the best year of my life. And I just jumped in all the way, and I didn't wish my life away. But I just enjoyed being a senior. And I just enjoyed, I just enjoyed life. And then in college, like I said, get, getting there. And, uh, and man, you're working like crazy. And, uh, and just, uh, and so, but, you know, preaching on the night bus and getting your face ripped off and then getting up early and having, you know, sleep deprived. And, but I enjoyed that stage. And I enjoyed the young married stage, you know, before we had kids. And now I look at my life, and man, you know, with little ones running around. And, uh, and I look, you know, and, I, and you know, that's what God, God wants us to enjoy Every stage of life, whatever stage of life that you're in right now, enjoy that stage of life because that's where God has placed you and that's what God has given you. And if you're young, young married, don't have kids yet, enjoy that stage. If you have kids and they're running around everywhere and keep you up half the night, this today I, I, uh, I was walking in, I can barely move my neck because last night. Kyle decided to scream, and instead of instead of having proper discipline, I was like, just put him in the bed. And so, and then, and but I woke up somehow. I slept wrong, and I had this nasty crick in my neck. But you know what? I'm gonna be happy with a crick in my neck, because you know, God has blessed me, and we've got so much to be thankful for. We've got so much to be contented with, and God wants us. God wants us to be uh, to be content. Which leads me to my second point. I gotta hasten here. Uh, beware of covetousness. So be careful about comparison. Number two, beware of covetousness. 
Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with, what thing, with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Quit comparing what you have to what John has. Follow me and be thankful for what I've given you. And stop comparing yourself. Well, well John's got this and John's got that. Yeah, okay, I know John's got, but this is what I've given you. And this is what I've entrusted you with. And uh, yes, God knows what you need. God knew God knew in college, he knew there were some things, I remember praying specifically, and I fasted, and I prayed, and I wanted this particular job, and I fasted, and I prayed for it, and you know, God never gave me that job, but looking back, I know why he didn't give me that job, because I couldn't have handled that job, and I would have been too tempted, <laughs> and uh, I, would have been, I would have been too tempted to get away from my calling, from what he called me to do, and, and so uh, the same thing in high school. God knew I didn't need all the money I was making, and I was working two jobs. God knew I needed all that money to go to my school bill. You know why? Because he knew better than I did. And he knew, and God knows better than, uh, uh, you know, better than we do. And first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse number 8, I want to give you a verse here. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, if you want to jot the reference down, you have to turn there. But listen to this verse, so rich, and I, and I claim this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. That's a promise from God. You know, God's, God's very capable of taking care of our needs. God is able to furnish a table in the wilderness. God is able to take care of all of our needs. But God knows better what we need than we know. And sometimes we think we need, oh, well, man, I need, well, I, need uh, I need a new car. Well, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, well, Cadillac Escalade, you know, and, uh, you know, and God's like, no, you, don't, you probably don't need that because probably my head would swell up if I had that. And, uh, and God says, I, I, know, I know best what you need. And he tells Peter, he says, Peter, stop worrying about John and don't want what John has. You, you be thankful for what I've given you. And God wants us to... Uh, okay, quit thinking that I care more about John than I care about you. You know, anybody, you know parents with, with multiple children, you know, your children are all different, but you love every single one of your children. I remember Brother Goddard, we were sitting, uh, we, we, had, uh, we had dinner uh, uh, the Thursday night before the, uh, before the marriage retreat started on Friday, and I remember him telling, uh, he was talking to a preacher, and he said, man, my son, he's like, uh, my youngest son, he's like, man, he's like, I don't understand, you know, guys today, they don't, they don't want to go out and build a church, they just want to stay. And, and, uh, and so, you know, he's like adamant about that. And then the next day, he clarified, so that's the attitude of his youngest son. And the, and the very next day in the conference, he said, and my oldest son, he said, Dad, he said, I don't want to do anything except serve here with you. <laughs> and so you have two completely different personalities. But you know what? Brother Goddard is a dad. He loves each of his sons. He loves his oldest son. He loves his youngest son. We love each of our children. You know, but how can we understand that? And yet, here's what we do. Well, God, what about, do you love John more than you love me? Well, he got more pepperonis than I. No, no, no. God loves you. And God loves me. And God loves us each. And, and, God, uh, and God, is, God is sovereign and God knows best. He's our heavenly father. And, uh, and so, uh, so we got to quit worrying about uh, being so concerned with John and let's be what God called us to be. And, uh, and by the way, that's a spirit-filled Christian. God wants us to be 
uh, to be spirit-filled. Now hasten here. And, uh, and lastly, I'd like to say this. Be busy following Jesus. Be busy following Jesus. And uh, turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 91, verse number 1. Psalm 91, verse number 1. In Psalm 91, verse number 1, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know where God wants us? He wants us dwelling in the secret place. The Bible says, if, if uh, Jesus said this in the book of John, he said, if, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done, done unto you. But, but God wants us in the secret place. It's in the secret place of prayer. It's here we can worship God. It's here we can praise God. It's here we can yield to him, cast our care upon him, pour out our complaint before him, make our petitions known, confess our sins, hear his voice. It's where you'll find forgiveness, acceptance, obtain mercy, find grace. It's where you receive strength, guidance, and clear direction. It's where you will find your identity, your security, your purpose, and your joy. And the Bible says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. You know why we're not full, full on joy? Because we're not spending time in the presence of the one who made us and created us. And he said this, he said, what is that to thee? Follow thou me, follow thou me. Acts chapter four, verse number 13 says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, so, both, so this, is, uh, this is Acts later after Jesus has said this. So here they are again, Peter and John. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I remember we had a missionary came through in, in the teacher's meeting, and he talked, about, uh, he talked about the Rose of Sharon. He said there's a valley um, uh, over there in, uh, uh, you know, close to Jerusalem, and, and that's the, uh, where they have all these. It's the valley of the Rose of Sharon. He said you can walk through that with all these flowers around you, he said, and for days later, you can still smell that fragrance of those flowers. And isn't that the case? When we spend time with God, that, that smell permeates. And our attitude is different when we spend time with the Lord. And Jesus said this, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Following Christ will provide you with purpose and clear direction Following Christ will inspire you to focus on the task at hand and give your best at each and every task. Following Christ will make you a soul winner. Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Following Christ will ensure that we arrive at our destination. Psalm 78, verse 52 says, but he made his people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. When we walk with him, we need not fear. And uh, this statement, I love this statement. Uh, so much. I've heard this, heard this often, but uh, we'll close with this. The man that walks with God always arrives at his destination. We don't have to worry about where John's at, where he's at in his journey, or what position, or what stage of life. Hey, I'm just going to enjoy the stage of life God has put me in. I'm not going to be, I'm going to be content with what God's given me. I'm going to follow Christ. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. Father, we sure love you. Thank you so much.